following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back to another fun, exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. Uh, with me, as always, my uh, co-host, Matt Keogh. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, Big Bill's win. Did you enjoy the Big game? Big Bill's win. I'm telling Absolutely you. Absolutely loved it. It, made, it makes the week so much better when they win. And Tom Brady lost. And Tom Brady lost. I love it. <laughs> and the Patriots lost. Everybody lost. Everybody lost, except the Bills. Um, with me today's special guest, and I'm so excited to have this person who finally agreed to come on the episode. I've been asking all season long. Um, the she is uh, if you if you're on Grand Island and you're follow ever followed Grand Island soccer, she's a lady who needs no introduction. Uh, she's been stuck with me coaching. We've been coaching together now what four five years something Probably. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure for Jamie, it feels like a lot longer in dealing with me than it is. But uh, Miss Jamie Rapa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. No. Also, you you said you've been asking for a while to get me on this podcast, although I just found out about it this season. So, <laughs> well, hey, it's only episode eleven. So exactly, <laughs> it's only episode eleven. Uh, but no, we're definitely uh, glad to have you. Um, in fact, today's episode uh, is sponsored by uh, Bolify. Uh, send your taste buds on a cheesy adventure with a meal at Bolify with signature bowls like their Buffalo Mac, their Buffalo Mac, Chipotle Mac, or my personal favorite, the Lobster Mac loaded with lobster, mozzarella, Havarti, scallions, lobster sauce, and topped with garlic parm crumbles. Get or get creative and make your own bowl. You can't go wrong. Located at 8529 Niagara Falls Boulevard in Niagara Falls, or find them at getyourbowlon.com. That's G-E-T-U-R-B-O-W-L-O-N.com. Visit Bolify for a cheesy adventure. All right. Ooh. That's also celebrating our first official ad, which is fantastic. Ooh, exciting. A little shout out to uh, Paul Cadella and everybody over at, at Bolify. Um, so now that we got that fun stuff out of the way, um, James, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, your playing days at Grand Island? Now, uh, is it true you are a Grand Island uh, Hall of Fame inductor member? Were you, were you inducted into the Grand Island Sports Hall of Fame there? Not that I know of. That Not would that be you a know. surprise okay. to me. <laughs> somebody, somebody told me that. Maybe they were goofing on. Maybe it's a future Hall of Fame. Maybe. Uh, or you just ruined the surprise. Or I just ruined the surprise. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but I know you did play Grand Island soccer. Uh, you played uh, for all four years of varsity. Yes. OK. All four years of varsity. Uh, and then you went on to play from 09 to uh, 2012 at Niagara University. Um, yep. And there I'm going to I'm going to embarrass you here. There you were uh, your rookie year. You made the all max second team. Mm-hmm. Um, then let's see. You led the team in scoring with six goals and 14 points. Four of them came off game-winning goals in 2010. Um, you earned uh, all 
all Mac, all academic honors as a sophomore and junior. And your senior year, uh, you made second team Mac, the second team, uh, second team Mac, correct? Dang, you did your research. I did my research. I, I, I try. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your playing time at uh, Niagara University. Yeah, it was not um, what I planned to do in college. So originally I had planned to do gymnastics in college, but through injuries and stuff, which we're probably going to talk about tonight at some point, um, my path kind of veered towards soccer and I ended up being recruited by Niagara, a couple other local schools, um, but wanted to stay, you know, close to home. So I ended up going to Niagara um, and it was a, it was an awesome experience. Now I, um, like you said, I had a really good, a really hot freshman, freshman year. And then um, a couple other players came in and kind of got pushed around position wise. Um, but, you know, did my best with what I was given to finish off the rest of my, my years there. I think my freshman year was one of two seasons where we went to the Mac championship, um, ended up losing both years in the Mac championship, which was devastating, especially our first year because we were winning at halftime three, nothing, and then ended up losing in the championship four to three. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good four years. Um, I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, you know, not only just the soccer part, but the lifelong friends that you make in the sport. Um, so yeah, it was was a lot of fun. Do you still keep in contact with a lot of your old teammates? Oh yeah. I was just at a wedding for one of them the other day. I was actually in her wedding. Um, a couple of them, a couple of old teammates drove in to be at the wedding. Um, one of my close friends lives out in Oregon now. I don't know. She's moved a couple of times. She was in Utah and then Oregon, but, um, I still talk to her all the time. So. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. I think that's part of the beauty of sports. You really, um, you really build that teamwork or that teammate, that, that chemistry, that, that love for your teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. And especially to see that it kind of carries on where, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever years down the road, you're still keeping in contact with them. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, now, uh, how long have you been coaching? I know I've been coaching with you. I think this is year number four between JV and varsity. Um, uh, how, when did, when did you start coaching and how long, how long have you been coaching? Well, so you've had the JV team for four years. This would be, I think this was year four. This would be year four. Okay. So if you had the JV team for four years, I had it for two years before you. And then I also coached modified for a year before that. So soccer, I've been coaching seven years, but also track. I think I've been doing, this might be my 10th year in track now. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize you got track first. I thought, Mm -hmm. I thought you got uh, soccer first. Yeah, no, I got track right out of college because I did my student teaching with Marty Medore and he was obviously the, one of the coaches of the Kenmore West track team at the time. Um, and so I volunteered my first year and then, um, Silvis retired. So then I took over right after that. So right out of college, I was, I started to coach track. Beautiful. And Marty Medore, if you're listening, uh, we want to get you on this podcast as well. You and Mike, I'm still banging the drum for that. Yep. We'll get Um, him here. Absolutely. Now I remember coaching because you had, you had the uh, um, Kenmore middle girls team while I had the Kenmore middle boys team back. I don't know. I I was going to say, I don't know if you remembered that. I remember there were a few times we practiced on the same field, but you pretty much kept to your side. I kept to my side. Yeah. That's uh, that was my first year coaching in Kenmore. 
Um, I had done the park school a couple of years before that uh, for five years. And I, um, but yeah, I remember you did, you had the boy, the girls team. I think you had them for, was it two years or just the one year? Um, no, I think it was two. So maybe this is my eighth year coaching. I feel like I would have remembered the fedora on the other side though. <laughs> uh, it was funny. I had the fedora. I didn't have the fedora the first year, which I think the first year is when we split the field and I okay. didn't have the fedora. I think it was the year after that. I brought in the fedora, but I think you, the girls went, you went behind the middle school instead of practicing at, uh, at the home field. We, or did you guys go to Lincoln? W- no, we, um, so we were, were you guys always at Lindbergh? We were always at Lindbergh. I was there the last two years and then Kenmore middle, uh, closed down. That's when I went to, I went to Franklin for two years, a year. And then I did the JV. So, yeah, we were always at Lindbergh. I don't remember where we were our second year then. I know the first year I remember practicing at Lindbergh. And that was our home field. But I don't remember where we practiced after that. That's going a couple years too far back for me. (laughs) I can barely remember what I had for breakfast. Right. um, uh, But, yeah, that's I remember. I remember that's when I I first met you. I wasn't sure if you if you remember that or not. I'll be honest. I'm surprised I remembered that. I am, too. (laughs) Um. So uh, last week we had uh, we had Rich on from Niagara Falls from their girls soccer team and we were kind of previewing it was the day before our game. Uh, do you want to tell everybody how uh, how that game went? Yeah, it ended to nothing us. We had to shift some people around and put our center back up on forward to get some goals. But you know what? You got to do what you got to do as a coach to win some games. So I'll tell you, I think it was just one of those games. Matt, I'm not lying. It was it was one of those games where I was honestly scared that we, we were the better team, but I thought it was going to be one of those games where you just, you keep a team around, you keep a team around, you keep a team around. And next thing you know, they put one in the back of the net. And even though you're the better team, you end up on the, on the losing, on the losing uh, end there, but give our girls yeah. credit. Um, especially uh, Maria uh, Colosimo did a great job of finding the back of the net. And like you said, we had to literally put our, uh, stop her all the way up top to forward and let her run. Yeah. And you know, that kind of says a lot about the girls that we have on the team because Maria has been for, I mean, however long she's been on varsity two, three years now, she's been our go-to center back. And for us to be able to kind of pull her for off the back line and for our girls to keep composure enough to, you know, let her go up to the front and put a couple balls in the back of the net. Um, and then, you know, let us switch her back to defense, just the, you know, the changing of the positions and the switching and, you know, people not playing center back and then playing center back. And, um, it just, it got, I give our whole team a lot of credit for that game. Oh, absolutely. They played well. And like you said, some of those times it's not the prettiest of games, but it just, you got to keep trying something and, until it works. Yeah. And, uh, how important is that just to have those players on their team that can kind of move from, inside mid to outside mid to back on defense to up top. How important is it to have that kind of uh, that kind of Swiss army knife uh, player, if you will, that can kind of play just about anything. Well, and that's, that's why I always say at our end of the year banquet, the versatility award is one of my favorite awards to give out because as a player, it says a lot about, you know, who that person as a player, the fact that they can, you know, easily switch and figure the position out or, you know, maybe if they are struggling at the position, come like we have a couple girls that will come off and ask questions and aren't afraid to, you know, make the mistakes and, you know, figure it out as they go. So 
um, you know, especially with our team this year, with all the injuries that we've had this year and years past, like it's, it's a huge deal to be a person that can easily switch positions and not get frustrated with a new position and, you know, learn as they go. I tell you, and just as a coach, like, I mean, you know, there's been times this year where you said we're dealing with injuries where you just look on the, on the bench and okay, who wants to play defense? Okay. Who wants to play midfield? And you're always looking for that girl, even if she's a forward defense, it's just me coach. I'll go in, show me what to do. I'll go in. Yeah. And I, it's when you can just look back there and all right, you're a forward and we need a defender, but let's go. Let's make it work. Yeah. And- especially with you and I as coaches, like I feel like sometimes I hate to say this. Sometimes we're a little bit intimidating to the girls. (laughs) So for us to kind of like look back and be like, Hey, who wants to play defense? Even if you've never played before, like for the girls to still be willing to raise their hand and go out and know that mistakes are going to be made. And, you know, we're going to give them constructive criticism in the moment. And um, yeah, we have a lot of, we have a lot of those players on our team. A lot of the players that are willing to play different positions when we need them to, which is awesome. Now that's another, I I've been told a couple times that I've been intimidating, intimidating. Am I Me really, too. am I really that intimidating of a force? I mean, Matt, it's the I, fedora. It, it, maybe the fedora, maybe that's what it's makes like a me Thomas intimidating. Landry kind of thing. No, the fedora is what makes you a little less intimidating. So keep ah, that. <laughs> so the fedora makes me more personable. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think, I don't know. I I've been told uh, by a couple of the girls, but like, you know, when I, especially when I, some of these girls I've had since back in seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, and that's why the last two years um, it's been really fun being up with you at varsity. Uh, two years ago, we didn't have enough. Um, we didn't have enough players to have a JV team. So Jamie was uh, uh, more than nice enough to let me come up and, and be her assistant coach at the varsity level, which was, can I tell you again, Thank you, because that was really you didn't have to, but that was really super nice of you. And then this year, um, obviously, we want to say congratulations, Jamie, because you're due in what two, three weeks, and two and, it's and a half un- weeks, and it's unbelievable that you're still coaching and due in two weeks. <laughs> oh, jeez, um, trying. So, so Jamie was nice enough to again let me be uh, her assistant coach this year, and it's been it's been not only a blast coaching with Jamie because I really think we, unless Jamie hides it really well. I really think we get along and we, and we really work well together, but it's no. also, it's also been fun seeing some of these girls like uh, George uh, Maria uh, Costanzo that I've, and Maria, even that I've had as seventh graders, as eighth graders um, had Maria uh, one year at JV. And then she moved up to varsity had George uh, all years. It's really been fun to see them grow up now. Well, what's that? Five years, six, uh, five, six years, four or five years straight that I've had them. So it's yeah. been a ball. Yeah, that's that was me um, a couple years ago, maybe with well, Lauren's group was that graduated last year. Lauren and Morgan were the last group of girls that I had coached from JV all the way on up. Um, But even the year before that, like Svi, um, Anna, Bandanelli, all them were also girls that I had coached from JV all the way on up to varsity. And like you said, it's awesome to see their progression as athletes. Um, and then also the progression of them as a team, you know, cohesively as they come together, they started off, you know, not sure on JV, not, you know, like we said, unsure of certain positions. And then once they kind of found their footing and stuff and learned to play with each other, that is one thing that I've enjoyed about this, this program, this Kemmerys program, all the years that I've been there is that, we really haven't had a program yet since I've been coaching that has had issues 
with each other, um, you know, not being able to play like, you know, girls soccer, you can get a ton of drama in girls soccer. And for the most part, I would say, you know, out of the seven years I've been coaching, I think I've maybe had one year where drama ended up in the season and you can tell it really affects the team and, and how they play together. But, um, so like I said, for the most part, for the, the six out of the seven years that I've had them, they've been a, just a joy to coach because I don't have to deal with that part. And I can focus on coaching and focus on developing them and um, making them better. Now, that's one thing I want to talk about. How important is team chemistry? Both, um, I mean, as as a player, um, when you were playing even at uh, at NU and just as a coach, how how important is that just to um, not only have the respect for your players, but just that team chemistry where you can tell like you said, that everybody on the team just genuinely wants to get everybody better, genuinely wants to play harder for each other. Like how important is team chemistry to you? Uh, well, to me, very important, more important than people know. Um, you know, when I played at Niagara my freshman year, there was, you know, a lot of team chemistry. And then as the years went on, we got a couple players that didn't mesh so well together and it really affected the way we played on the field. Um, and same thing, like I said, with the, you know, the one year in the chem- coaching Kemori soccer that we did have some issues with team chemistry, it, it shows on the field. Um, so it's super important to make sure that the girls are getting along. Um, you know, I've, I've always said that soccer, obviously coaching soccer is way more about, um, you know, life lessons and stuff than it is just, just coaching the sport and getting them to develop. Um, but like I said, we've been lucky enough to have a good group of girls so far. Um, as I mean, unless they hide it well, like you said, unless they hide it well, I don't see much drama between the girls on the team. And I mean, you even see it from, from other teams, like one year we had played, uh, Lou Porter, I think it was. And a couple of the girls were like yelling at each other on the field and, it starts, things start to break down and, you know, you don't play as well together. And obviously it soccer is a team sport and you need to be cohesive and, um, you know, play with the 10 other players that are on the field. So if you're not getting along with them, things aren't going to go well. Yeah. And it really shows on the field too. Um, you can tell, especially if you have two evenly matched teams, if one's clicking together on all cylinders and the other one isn't, it, it shows on the field. Um, and like you said, it, nothing, I've had uh, not many, but I've had a few teams that I can think of um, that just for whatever reason uh, got into the, for lack of a better term, like the bickering bills were of the nineties or whatever, or the eighties where they just had nothing but yelling at each other, or you did this wrong. You did that wrong. You can get away with it only for so long, but if you don't fix that problem, um, it can really tank a good season. I mean, for sure. Agreed. Yep. And it's not just about the girls getting along on the field too. Like I think we've talked about this tons of times before, Um, you know, girls playing together with each other off the soccer field, off the high school soccer field. So, you know, we play against teams like Luport and Grand Island and, um, you know, Wheatfield and NT, and they have very strong programs um, in their communities. So like Grand Island has a super strong program, bunch of the girls from Grand Island and NT and, Niagara Wheatfield play with each other on travel teams or on, you know, empire or the flash. Um, and, and you can, and that, that you can tell from them playing on the field as well. Um, so that's why, you know, you and I always try and push the girls to do something in the off season together, because if you're not working with them in the off season, then, you know, high school soccer is the shortest, one of the shortest seasons. What do we have them for like two months? And you really, you, you, 
as much as you try to get a ton done in those two months, there's only so much you can do. Oh, for them, sure. So. And especially um, if you're not doing off-season conditioning, if you expect to come into soccer season and use soccer season to get in shape, you're sorely mistaken. Because, I mean, this year I think we had, what, seven days, eight days before our first, uh, before our first game. Yeah. And it's, it's impossible to try to get all to try to jam all your conditioning. Not only that, but you're still figuring out who's on varsity, who's on JV. And it's impossible to do that and, and cram conditioning in there. So mm-hmm. I think uh, the thing that I know you and I stress, and I think a lot of coaches are really stressing, it seems fall sports, especially soccer, are getting shorter and shorter and shorter every year. So you need to do off-season conditioning. You need to be playing on some kind of summer soccer team or at the very least um, being out there running, getting yourself in shape so that when you come into tryouts, you can, you can hit the ground running. You can go right away and you're not sitting there the first three, four weeks of the season, still trying to catch your breath after running a few wind sprints. Yeah. And it kind of stinks because as a fall sport, we don't have, I mean, the, the girls are expected to do the work over the summer. Whereas if you have them, you know, in track in a spring sport, they've had the opportunity to play in the fall and the winter to get themselves ready for the spring. Even, even when we go for track for spring training for track, it starts in early March. And then our first meets aren't until like mid April. So we have a month and a half to get them ready for the track season. Whereas the soccer season, we have eight days to get them ready. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I could be mistaken on this, but I feel like back when I played, um, we had more time. Like, I feel like back when we played, we had practices, I think, as starting as early as uh, middle of April. And I don't think our first game was probably until maybe the second, maybe the end of the first week, if not the second week in September. So still not a ton of time, but definitely a lot more time than what we have now, where it seems like they're trying to cram everything into such a short period of time. I mean, we're coming off of a period where we had what, uh, four games in seven days and then seven games in like what, uh, or sorry. Uh, yeah. Eight games in 11 days, 12 days. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was crazy. And yeah. especially if you don't have that off season conditioning, that's where, and, and who knows, maybe this is what's happening to us right now. That's where potentially you can get a lot of injuries. Yeah. That's always the craziness of soccer season. It's you get a week and a half. If that to kind of get them ready for season Um, and then the season happens in, in, within two months and you're expected to play 16 games in two months. And, you know, for a program like us who we're trying to build the numbers and stuff, um, injuries happen and, you know, people in, people in Kenmore, I feel like a lot of the girls take jobs and stuff. Like, I feel like in Grand Island, their, their focus is school and soccer. And for us in Kenmore, we have a lot of girls that, you know, aren't playing like we had Mara and V not play this year because of work or other commitments and stuff. And unfortunately that's just what happens um, at least in Kenmore, but yeah, there's not a lot of time to get a lot done. Um, So you kind of got to cram. And like you said, that's kind of where we start running into injuries. And um, unfortunately those have plagued us this season more than any other season. I think I've coached what we're down, what four starters at the moment. Yeah. I know we went into Wheatfield down, uh, down four or five starters. And then we had another five, another two or three that uh, really kind of gutted it out and uh, a great performance. And you bring up an interesting topic. Like uh, I know with Kenmore, um, like you said, a lot of the girls have to work. I know Jamie, you came from, 
Grand Island. Matt, you came from Clarence. Um, even Matt, do you remember like a lot where a lot of the guys on the Clarence team, did they have um, jobs during the year or did you have a job during the year or it was more of, Hey, this is soccer season. I can focus on soccer and I don't have to deal with all that outside stuff. I think it was more just because we came from Clarence and as much as like the stereotype is none of us really had the motivation and or people pushing us to get a job. It's like, yeah, you don't need to. Yeah. So it was more that you could actually focus on whatever sport, whether it was soccer, track and field, basketball. Yeah. That you were basically like if you played a sport, that's all you did. And you really didn't have a lot of like outside world responsibilities other than being a student and playing your sport. Yeah. Agreed. And and I mean, it's great if you can have it. I mean, I I myself came from Niagara Falls. Uh, We had a lot of guys who had part time jobs. And it's uh, for me, it was. I always, I, I found it where I did my, I would make all my money during the summer at uh, a place you would know, Jamie Grant or uh, fantasy Island. Yeah. I, that was, that was always my summer job. I would, my, my summers from ninth grade through 12th grade were literally 40 hour, 40 hour a week, 40, sometimes 45 hour weeks at grand Island, making all my money, all my money, all my money. And then during the school year, blowing all my money, all my money, all my money. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of guys that I know that, um, you know, got to their sophomore year, junior year, and either had to quit football, had to quit basketball, Mm -hmm. not because they didn't love the sport anymore, but you know, some of them needed the money or some of them, you know, mom and dad needed the money because they needed to help mom and dad pay rent or pay car or. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. It's it's so unfortunate for those kids because you're only a kid for so long and then you leave high school and you're entering college or the real world and you work for the rest of your life. So, you know, I was always a, a proponent of, you know, play the sports when you can get them in when you can, because you're going to work for the rest of your life and you don't know how much longer you have playing sports. So, um, like, like I said, for me, sports were my life in high school. I went from school to high school, soccer practice, to gymnastics practice. So soccer practice was three 30 to five gymnastics was five 30 to nine. And then I was doing my homework in car rides there and back. And it was, it was an everyday thing when I didn't have gymnastics, I had dance. So I was always on the go with sports. I didn't have time to work until I would say probably about my senior year when um, gymnastics was no longer in the picture and it was just soccer and soccer's even then after it was after soccer season, after soccer was done, same thing in college. Right. I was, you know, going to college, taking classes. Soccer season was in the fall. And then um, once the fall season ended and it was just like spring practices and spring weight training and stuff, that's when I kind of picked up my job again and started going back to work. So I was fortunate in that regard where, you know, I was able to play the sports when I could and not have to give up something that I love to do to make some money. Um, But not everybody is that fortunate. And unfortunately, that's what we run into a little bit when we're, you know, coaching the Kenmore teams. Oh, Same for sure. Track. A lot of our track athletes don't come out because they have to work. So, yeah. Or like you said, they'll come out one year and you won't see them again. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've got to ask all these years, how did I not know you were in gymnastics, like big into gymnastics? How I did don't I know? I don't know because I did it. I started when I was two years old. I did it from two years old until... I was a sophomore in high school. What was your, what were your, what were your big events? Like, or was it just an all around or? Yeah, no, I was, I was the best, I would say at vault and floor. Um, 
didn't really like bars that much, but I was, I was a solid gymnast. Um, and I wanted to do that in college, but obviously injuries, of course, Speaking of injuries, and- that's a sport that's got, especially on the joints, like the hips, the knees, it's got to well, beat your body up. That was my issue. It wasn't, it wasn't anything little, like I have been lucky enough, knock on wood, not never to break any bones, but um, all the years of pounding those, what, two to six, 14 years of pounding on my body, my back, I, I got herniated discs and bulging discs. And the doctor said, you can either give it up and walk by the age of 21, or you can, uh, keep going and not be able to walk. So, uh, yeah, walking's <laughs> overrated. They got know, wheelchairs, right? motorized wheelchairs. <laughs> Uh, but no, and uh, speaking of injuries, I know our team's uh, dealing with, like we said, quite a few injuries. Um, as a coach, I know you always, and we've had girls that have come up to us that you can tell are legitimately hurt and are in pain, and they still want to go out there. They still want to go on that field. Um, how is it, what's the thought process behind knowing when, but like, listen, I I love it that you want to go out there, but we've got to have you sit down because you're not right. I mean, is it that talk a little bit about walking that fine line between knowing when to play a kid who's who might just be hurt or knowing when to pull out a kid who's actually injured? Yeah, you say it. I mean, you definitely said it correctly. It's a fine line. It is. Um, But I think it more depends on the athlete. Like, you know, as an, as an athlete, I was always the type of person that wouldn't really tell my coaches when I was injured and, and try to play through it. Um, and not a lot of, not a lot of athletes, at least that we've had so far really do that much anymore. Um, so you kind of have to know your athletes and, um, you know, be able to tell just by their faces or how they're playing, you know, if they're injured, they're obviously not going to be playing as well. Um, you know, Maria, for example, I didn't see her last game, but you were saying, you know, she was almost tears in the first 20 minutes. And that is not a player that has ever, I've ever seen in tears before. So, um, as much as she, she says she wants to be out there and play, that's kind of when, you know, (laughs) something's definitely wrong. You need to come out. Um, you know, as much as like we say, we, we kind of depend on her for the back line, um, and being strong on the back line, there's only so much you can do when a player like that is injured. And if you let them go, the, she, she's the type of player that's just going to go, go, go until she can't go anymore. Um, so you really got to watch for the signs in a player like that um, and know when to limit their minutes, you know, like you did last game, not pull them off totally, just limit them, um, you know, keep an eye on them, ask how they're feeling every so often. And, um, but then there are some that are, you know, chronically injured and you're like, and we uh, have is those this an injury or is this just a, <laughs> is this just a frustrational thing? Because, you know, sometimes it does get frustrating when you're, you know, Kenmore East or Niagara Falls or Kenmore West. And you're always on like the lower end of the spectrum getting scored on all the time. And um, so it does get frustrating. And sometimes those injuries come out of frustration and they're, uh, I don't know, I would call them frustrational <laughs> injuries. Um, not something that is like threatening to the body, but they just don't want to play because maybe they're embarrassed or frustrated. And, um, you know, knowing your players that are going to do that as well, because you are going to have some of those players that are going to do that. Um, 
but I don't know. I try to be as sympathetic as possible when it comes to that, because I, I, like we said, we've had a ton of injuries in the past and I really don't want to make those injuries worse by, um, you know, letting them play, but I also don't want to baby them and, you know, have them on the side and, you know, kind of coddle them because that's not real life. No. And, uh, I mean, I think for me too, I mean, I played back, you know, I, I played uh, 94 to 98 um, back in Niagara Falls. And even just that whole time period, it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon or unheard of for a coach to, you know, get on you. But like, listen, okay, I understand your leg hurts. We need you get back in the game. You know, all right, I understand you got a broken toe. You got a broken this. You got a whatever. Can you walk? All right, get your butt back on the field. Um, mm-hmm. So even just for me as a player, it was it wasn't even that you so much that you were hiding injuries. It was just, um, all right, my foot's not the best today. My knees, not the best today. Um, I've still got to play because we're playing LaSalle. We're playing. That's how old I am. I I play high schools that no longer (laughs) exist, but, uh, you know, we're playing, we've got a rivalry game today. Um, even on travel, we're playing, uh, we're playing Niagara pioneer. We're playing in a big tournament. We've, we've got to have all our players there and, I'm the starting center midfielder. I've got to play. I can't. And it's just you you force yourself to go through. It wasn't so much that the coach was going to pull you out. It was, I've got an injury. I still got to play well enough so the coach doesn't pull me out. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm hurt, but because I can't play today. Yeah, and it's um, becoming a lot of, like, a lot more mental yes. than it is physical. It's definitely becoming a more mental game, you know, especially with with girls, um, you know, being there for them, you know, a lot of, I've had a couple girls in the past talk about anxiety and not wanting to play because of the anxiety that everything causes and all that. So it's not just physical injuries that we have to worry about anymore. It's now the, the mental, you know, can you keep yourself in a good mental state to play as well? So again, it's, you know, towing a fine line of, you know, pushing somebody to their limits or what we think mm-hmm. is their limits when, you know, their limits might be different than what we have in mind for them. Oh, for sure. And I know that was the one, that was the biggest thing I really had to learn as a coach um, to, I don't want to say drop that mentality, but kind of switch away from that mentality of, Hey, listen, you're playing, get your butt out on the field. You're playing to oppose to, all right. Uh, I don't want to say get softer, but I guess a little more understanding, um, a little more uh, error on the side of caution. And it it really is um, a fine line. I mean, part of you wants to go back to that mentality where, hey, listen, come on, we need you. We're down one here. There's there's 10 minutes left, 15 minutes mm-hmm. left. We need you to pop in a goal. We need you to stop or we're up one. We need you on that back line. But then um, – Part of me, the rational side of me too, the, I guess, softer side of me thinks, well, listen, you're bumming around on a bad knee right now and a bad hip right now, because you probably played in some games that you really shouldn't have. Do you Mm want to put these kids through the same, if their leg is hurt, if their knee is hurt, whatever it is, do you want to put them through that same thing when they're my age and they're gimping around at times or, oh, I don't want to get out of bed today kind of feel so it is it is a fine line and it's just it's changing with the times I think too yeah you say you say it like you know you've become softer but really I don't know if it's that you've become softer I think it's the the switch from coach to player like as a coach 
or as a player, it's on you to be like, you know, this is my body. I know how much I can take. Um, you know, I'll pull myself off when I can't take any more, but I'm going to play until the very last minute. So it's you putting your own self in that situation. Whereas a coach, you are putting somebody else in that situation. And that's yes. harder to, um, that's, that's definitely harder to do because you don't ever want to be the person that, you know, plays, runs a player into the ground. And then they, you know, you ruin their season or, or future seasons because you yep. played them a little bit too much. So I wouldn't say it's you becoming softer. I would just say it's, you know, the switch from the, the player to the coach mentality. I like that. I like that. And uh, yeah. And it's just, you know, like you said, it's knowing your athlete too. You know, what's for a player, what was good for me might not necessarily isn't probably going to be best for, for my teammate. What's good for one girl or one guy that we're coaching isn't going to be the same for that, that person that we're coaching. Mm -hmm. So it is definitely knowing your teammates or knowing, knowing your, uh, your players that you can coach and knowing ones that you can push ones that you can't push ones that might need to be coddled a little bit, ones that might need to be scolded or disciplined a little bit. It's all, it's almost like you're being a coach a guidance counselor, a teacher, all a psychologist, exactly. all wrapped into one. <laughs> exactly. And, a lot um, of jobs that we don't get paid enough money for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I kind of feel like, and, and you're a teacher, you're teaching third grade, right? Yep. I kind of feel like that's what teaching is, especially nowadays has become too. You're a teacher, you're a friend, you're a, uh, a you're somebody who can be confident, you're a guidance counselor, you're a uh, psychologist you're a nurse you're a you're a everything all wrapped in the yeah, one you name it we do it in the classroom really okay, especially with the little guys like that you coach I mean I remember my first job as a sub teacher was uh, kindergarten for a week assignment yikes I was right out of college I was 21 years old and I had like little five-year-olds Mr. Monahan Mr. Monahan Mr. Monahan Mr. Monahan tugging at your shirt oh look 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 it was the most exhausting week of my life. Like, mm -hmm. and I was still living, you know, with, uh, with good buddies from college. We had a, we were sharing an apartment together and every night, like, you know, Larry, we're going out like, no, I'm going to bed. Like, dude, exactly. it's, it, dude, it's eight 30. What do you got? No, nope. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was legitimately like you had 25 kids. I mean, 25, like kids, eight hours. Come here, come here. Yeah. Look, look at what I drew. Very look at what I drew. Come here, come here, come here. It, I give, I, I tell this, any kindergarten, pre-K kindergarten teacher is the hardest working teacher in any elementary building. I agree. Ever. I went, I went for my master's for um, kindergarten, no birth through two special education. And I remember sitting there being like, why did I ever get certified <laughs> for this young? I do not want to teach kids in preschool. I do not want to teach kids in kindergarten. The lowest I will go is second grade, unless I'm forced to, I guess. But yeah, those kids are a little too young for me. No, absolutely. Uh, now we talked about uh, dealing with injuries as a coach. Um, do you remember any like big injuries that uh, even thinking back now that the, whether it was college, whether it was high school, um, big injuries that you played with, um, maybe played with and you really, what you really shouldn't have played with, like any, any big injuries that kind of stand out as a player to you? Yeah. So I was very fortunate. I only had two injuries that really stand out in my head. One of them was, um, I think it was senior year of high school. It was sectionals 
Um, hold on. Can I pause for a second? My laptop's going to die and I don't want it to die on you guys. So absolutely. I'm just going to grab the charger real quick. Absolutely. So put a pause on that. No, absolutely. While we're waiting for Jamie, Matt, any big injuries that you played, like whether it was soccer or anything else that you really uh, felt that you had to play on, just whether it was sectionals, whether it was circumstances that you probably shouldn't have? I played, I, I played when I was sick. Either it was like the flu or something. And I know that's not an injury, but that's still hey, like that a, can still, especially as a goaltender, that can still definitely throw you off your game. Oh, it was. I wasn't playing goalie that game. I was playing out in the field. Ooh. So I was running around. Okay, so that can definitely throw you yeah, off the game. They put me all on a striker, and I just didn't feel good the entire game <laughs> at all. I think I had a fever. Um, I was sweating before the match even started. Uh-oh. Did we, did lose, we lose her? Did we lose Jamie? We're keeping this in. They got to know. What we oh, go we're through. keeping this in. She's going to come back on. I, I, I give her faith here. It's just like the Jalen Morris all over again. <laughs> No, but I think she, uh, we lost Jamie there for a minute, but I know she's going to come back on. Um, but yes, I, I mean, having the flu can definitely be um, just as, just as uh, bad um, as having an injury. I mean, I know there were definitely games uh, where I had, uh, um, I had, was not feeling the best and it, uh, it took me by, uh, by big surprise here. Um, and it definitely threw me off my game. Um, so yeah. So, uh, what other, uh, besides the flu, any other big injuries, Matt, that you had to deal with? Um, I have like a back issue that still is, did we lose her or she just did her phone, her computer die? I think her computer might've died. Okay. We can work with this. Um, we'll keep rolling. Matt, can we pause this? Yeah. No, let's keep it in. <laughs> All right. So we got Jamie back with us. Jamie had a little uh, technology issue, but like any good coach or any good teacher, she adapted, she overcame, and she's back with us. Welcome I'm back, back. Jamie. Did you miss me? We did. You have no idea how much. Um, but Matt, you were telling us a little bit about uh, dealing with a flu injury while you were playing <laughs> Um, yeah, the bad injury called the flu. The bad injury called the flu. Hey, nowadays, I mean, if you any kid gets uh, sent to the nurse, they're out like, what, five to six weeks, it seems well, it, like. It's so. not yep. the coronavirus, I can tell you that. It's before, but that was before that time. This is before the coronavirus. <laughs> before being sick was cool, I guess. No, but I mean, it, it, it <laughs> having having the flu can be almost just as bad as an injury, especially if you're, I mean, if you're out there playing, you know, with a temperature you know, you get dehydrated quick. You're just, it'll definitely throw you off your game. Hey, the best part is though, even if you don't win the fight for the ball, you kind of win the fight because you infected the other person. (laughs) (laughs) You win the long run. Instead of getting into their head, you got into their respiratory system. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So you'll recover after that game, but they won't be. That's right. Exactly. I remember playing one time super sick in college and my coach pulled me off the field and was like, Rapel, what are you doing? You look like crap out there. You, you know, you look like you can't even breathe. I'm like, that's because I can't breathe, coach. Can't <laughs> like, breathe I'm glad you nose, picked that up. Can't I breathe. can't breathe. My lungs are clogged. <laughs> go cough on number eight then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. Instead of trash talking, go sneeze on number 16 over there. <laughs> no, but it's uh, um, now, Jamie, you were telling us a little bit about uh, an injury you played or you played through in high school that maybe you shouldn't have or, or a memorable injury. 
Yeah. So it was senior year. Um, I think it was during sectionals. Um, and I had rolled my ankle real bad. It ended up being just a, just a sprain or a strain or something, but, um, it happened in a game and then we had, um, a practice in between the next day. And then we had a game the following day. And the, the trainer was like, you know, you really shouldn't be playing in the game. I think it was like a Tuesday, Thursday. So I heard it in the Tuesday game trainer was like, you know, you really shouldn't, you're not going to be ready to go by Thursday's game. And I was like, yes, I am. Put me in this ice bucket. So I ice bucketed the, the crap out of it for uh, like the next day and a half. And then, um, you know, kept movement in it, kept moving it throughout school, walked on it throughout school and then taped it up for the game on Thursday and played in the game on Thursday. And like the trainer said, I probably shouldn't have played, but there was nothing I can do. It was sectionals. I wasn't sitting out. Um, I'm not the type of person that can sit on the sideline and watch, watch people play in my position. So um, that was one, the one and only injury that I remember from high school sports. But like I said, going back to my gymnastics days, I had a really bad back injury that ended up being, you know, the end of my gymnastics career, but Um, gymnastics was my life. Like I, like I said, I did it from age two to age 14 and that's really all I knew. Um, so when the doctors told me like, you really shouldn't be doing it anymore. I had kind of the same reaction, like, what can I do to stay in it? So I ended up getting, um, a couple cortisone shots. The first one worked pretty well, worked for like a month. Um, now I honestly don't know how those things work. I don't, not like medically trained in that stuff, but um, I don't. You so stayed I don't at know. the Holiday Inn last. This one was getting good. Did you mute? Are you on mute? Could it be from the headphones? Did you hit the headphones or something? Hello, can you? Hear oh, me? there you, there you go. You're back. You're back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, I got a couple cortisone shots, and um, like I said, the first one worked pretty well for about a month. Um, so I was able to get back into the gym and you know continue working, but then it wore off after a month. And I was like, well, it worked the first time. Let's go in for a second one. And I went in for the second one and the second one did not work as well, but I was still, you know, headstrong. And I was like, I am not giving this sport up. So I made my parents drive me to practice just so that I could do like the conditioning stuff that, you know, all the girls were doing. So I would sit for three and a half hours and watch the practices and work on my conditioning and my core strength and hope, hopefully one day get back at it, but uh, it didn't end up that way. So Unfortunately, it ended my gymnastics career, but it led me to soccer, which obviously is now one of my biggest passions. So, you know, as as crappy as it was to get hurt in some, the sport that I loved, it was also kind of a blessing in disguise that has led me to where I am today. So, And can I say how thankful I, I, I am to where you are today and that you stuck with soccer? Uh, now, what's the what's the uh, I know both are very competitive. You got to especially in gymnastics. You got to be uber competitive. Um, just with it being an individual sport as opposed to a team sport, did you find that it was just a different type of competitiveness? It was more of you driving yourself or how, what was, what was the differences between high level, uh, individual competition versus high level team competition? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to like the discipline of it. Right. So like as an individual sport, um, you know, it was, I was very disciplined because everything, because it was on me. I was very hard on myself. Um, you know, when I messed up it, you know, it wasn't like anybody around me was to blame for it, but myself, um, especially in gymnastics, like there's very little room for error in gymnastics. So, um, I think that was kind of what pushed me and, you know, a lot of my 
gymnastics teammates kind of had the same mentality as some of our athletes do right now. Whereas, you know, they get to a certain point and high school friends and working become a little bit more important. And, you know, to me at that point, sports were, like I said, my life. So, you know, I was more focused on, you know, getting to the gym and getting the repetition in and um, being the best I could be. Whereas some of my friends were kind of more concerned with, you know, who's going where this weekend and what's going on, who's going to the football game. And, you know, I never really, until my senior year in, in high school, I never really um, kind of had those opportunities to participate in that stuff. Um, but that was because I was so, you know, driven in sports and I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I knew that's what I was good at. So, um, you know, I kind of stuck with it that way, but soccer kind of changed my mentality a little bit, because like you said, team sport versus individual, um, you, you kind of start to rely on the people around you. And um, if you mess up, it's not just on you, it's on, you know, your, your whole team, you're kind of letting your whole team down, unfortunately. So um, the mistakes, the, the level of mistakes kind of, it raises the bar because you're not playing for yourself anymore. You're playing for a team. Um, but still just as hard on myself, whether it was individual or your team sport. I always have been though. I was going to say, I, I could definitely see where it's made you. I mean, I know just coaching with you, it's, uh, you're very passionate about it. Uh, very uh, dedicated, um, hardworking. And you can tell, I think, I mean, I've coached with other people before, um, whether it was uh, um, as an assistant or as the head and having an assistant. Um, and you can always tell those people who are just there for a paycheck, or you can tell those people who are there because they love the sport. They love passing on their knowledge of the sport. Um, and they love just being um, being the, the driving force of that program. And with you, it's, it's, it's so it's so fun and it's just uh, it's awesome to see somebody who's just so driven and who would give anything to make the program better. Uh, like I feel that you do. I mean, you go out there, you bring it to practice, whether it's um, with just new and inventive drills or whether it's uh, dealing with lineups or putting, putting girls who maybe having them change their position because you feel that, or you see that they can be better maybe at the uh, inside as opposed to outside or just your knowledge of the game. And it's, it's really been a lot of fun working with you, especially the last two years in particular. It's, it's, I mean, I've always been driven as a coach too, but it's always, I think for me, it just makes me that more driven when you're with somebody who is as competitive or as passionate as about that sport as, as you are or even more so. So it's yeah. been, it's been awesome. Well, and that's why I've loved having you around, whether it's my, as my JV coach or my assistant coach up on varsity, because you, you have really pushed me as well. And, you know, you know, you've saved my butt a couple of times this year, just because of doctor's appointments and stuff. But like, I, I totally trust you with the girls to have the same coaching mentality as me. So when I'm not there, you know, the girls expect the same thing, which is awesome because um, I feel like, you know, the couple of years that I was on JV, there wasn't really that connect the, that connection with Roby and I, um, which was unfortunate. Maybe, you know, that's on me for not reaching out, but we also have different like coaching philosophies. Like Roby and I did, um, you know, he was the type of coach who in high school soccer, he, you know, was, he wouldn't, he wouldn't always take the most talented people up on varsity. He was, he was playing the seniors and juniors and sophomores over maybe a more talented 
freshman like Lauren is one that comes to my mind right away. You know, she was up down on JV with me for her first year when she, I personally thought she could have totally held her own on varsity her first year. Um, and that was just kind of how Roby had run things. And, you know, obviously we're put in a different situation because the reason that we have seventh and eighth graders on our team right now is mostly because of the numbers, but still even, you know, there's been a couple of times where, you know, we have JV and varsity practice together the first week of tryouts. And, you know, I'm looking at some of those seventh graders and you're looking at some of those seventh graders. And I know in your head, you're like, please don't take them. Please don't take them <laughs> in my head. I'm like, Sorry, Lair. I got to take them. I was going to say ready. they need to be developed. Brooke comes to mind for that. Uh, what was it three years ago when Brooke was in seventh grade uh, going th- within the first half hour of the first tryout? You knew she was going up. But I think I remember trying to get in your ear, but like, Jame, I think she needs another year. I think, I think a year of JV <laughs> yeah. seasoning. Give me, give, I think, and, and I just looking at you. I knew in the back of my head, even before I said anything, but like, there's no way this child's coming to JV. Uh, but and granted, she more more than held her own as a as a seventh grader. But you love seeing those you love seeing those players. But even just that first week of tryout, it was it was great just talking to you on the sideline. Like, what do you think about number eight? Where I might see something about it, and you might see something about it with a little bit of a different perspective, or vice versa. Where mm-hmm. I know I, I think it was. Um, who's the player that I'm thinking of that came to mind that we actually kept down as a seventh grader. I can't think of her name offhand where I was kind of, uh, I kind of looked at her one way and you, you said something that kind of made me look at her from a perspective that I wouldn't necessarily have caught where, okay, you're right. Maybe she isn't ready for varsity. Maybe she does need at least a couple games down at JV um, to get me ready. Uh, I think it was Olivia maybe who uh, ended up staying the whole season down that we were debating on. Um, for a little bit, I can't think of I can't think of the name offhand, uh, or who was Olivia. offhand. I only coached a couple of Olivias. Maybe Olivia. No, Olivia Candler is throwing it way back to my modified days. But no, this was the Olivia. Remember, she she only played she played for me seventh grade, but then she switched to she moved to West Seneca or somewhere. I think it was oh, Brooke, okay. Brooke's cousin, I think, or somebody's cousin. But oh, anyways, I think I remember who you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. Where? Yeah, I don't know. Again, like just seeing them and, you know, coaching at the varsity level before that had been your first, what was that your first season as a JV coach or a couple of seasons in? That and was, I mean, yeah. you know, you know, seeing JV, the transition from JV to varsity, right? So JV are, you know, the players that you can work on developing down there and work on, you know, figuring out position and figuring out touch and stuff. But then when you get to varsity, you really want to expect them to have those touches and have the, the knowledge of position down. And so um, it's, it's tricky to, you know, you might see them as a JV coach and think, you know, this person is above my level of what I need them to be at for JV. Maybe they are ready for varsity, but then, you know, until you really step into the the ring as a varsity coach, you, you know, you don't really know what to expect. Um, but I mean, obviously you played on varsity, so, um, you might know a little bit better than someone who is just jumping in the ring as a coach and hadn't played in high school or anything, which we do. I mean, we know we have a couple of those in the yep. NFL. Um, but again, like that's where the knowledge comes from, you know, the, the background of having played, whereas, uh, or a coach who hasn't played kind of maybe knows a little bit better of what positions to put them in and when to pull them up and um, you know, how often to play them and uh, how to, how to coach them to be the best that they can be. Oh, for sure. And I know for me, um, 
I was lucky enough. Well, I don't know if it was lucky enough or fortunate enough or unfortunate enough that my first job was at park school. I did their varsity girls program for four years. And um, it was very much the first year. um, It was very much trying to think of things that I did as a player and trying to see drills that I did as a player, especially on some of my, uh, my higher level travel teams. And I remember the, just being so like, all right, we're going to run this. We're going to run this. We're going to run this. And then going into that first practice, even as a varsity coach and looked at there, you, you, all right, we're doing this, 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 and just getting that, wait, what, what are we mm-hmm. doing? And just uh-huh. realizing like, oh, okay. They might not have picked it up as quickly as I did as a player. I've got to break it down in simple little yes and that's where I think I struggle the most as a coach the transition from player to coach is because I I obviously played at at the division one college so the drills that I have in mind that I want to do with the girls I'm like oh yes this will be a great drill to work on switching the point of attack and then I explained it to them and we try to run through it and I'm like okay that just failed miserably (laughs) yep none of that worked so now I have to rethink this because like in my mind, I'm still at a division one level. And in reality, we're at a high school level where some of the girls are coming to us, you know, that have never even played soccer before. So um, you do really have to change your mindset as a, a high school coach. Um, you know, not so much if you're coaching the the flash or empire and, and clubs like that, um, because girls are definitely playing at a higher level and, you know, in those clubs, but as a high school coach, it's been, that's been the hardest transition for me is, you know, coming into a practice, thinking a drill is going to go really well. And then being like, yeah, maybe that wasn't my best idea. Oh, for sure. And I think, I think honestly, and this might just be my, I'm sure it's just my bias opinion. Um, I think when you're, when you're a coach, uh, no matter the sport, if you have like a lower level, whether it's an average or even below average program, I think that's where the that's where you need the better coaching or that's where you have to do your best coaching to build that program up. I mean, you know, as well as I do, there are some programs, especially high school programs out there that I mean, you could literally pull anybody from the street out Mm -hmm. and have them coach. And they're still going to coach them to a sectional title or a state championship just Mm -hmm. because that program is deep upon deep upon deep with not only athletic ability, but just soccer talent Um, where I think if you get into those uh, those programs that, like I said, are average or even slightly below average for me, I think that's where you've got to pull out all the stops. You've got to pull out all the tricks, everything that you've ever learned about the sport or strategy that you've heard about the sport. And that's where you really have to quote unquote, earn your paycheck. Just because, like you said, what might have been an easy drill or a warm-up drill for you as a player is probably going to be an advanced drill for some of these kids that that you're coaching or that we're coaching. Yeah, exactly. There are a couple of teams in our our division too that I know that you know the the girls, the players run the practices because you know they are flash players or empire players or club players, and you know they have drills from those clubs that they know work and you know, their coaches might not have all the drills that, you know, these, these flash players are, are used to doing the high level, the drills that they have. So instead of the coaches putting the drills into, into action, it's the the players that are putting the drills into action and kind of running the, 
the team for the coach, which is unfortunate because like you said, if you had a coach who was knowledgeable enough to build that program more than where it's already at, you could have a, a state champion, you know, somewhere from around the area. And, and that's really kind of where it goes downhill for our soccer programs here, because we, I mean, as far as I know, I don't know of very many coaches that are able to push higher level programs that far to make it that far. So I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate, like I said, but you got to have the right people in the right positions for it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and one topic I wanted to hit now, I know you played with, um, you played with your sister at Grand Island in soccer. Uh, she's, she was two, two years younger than you or is two years younger than you. I think. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say that yeah. was more of a question. <laughs> I, I, I thought she's two was, years younger. She was Period. Two, two years younger. She uh, is. Now was there, um, <laughs> So she would have been she would have been um, uh, a sophomore when you or a junior a sophomore when you were a senior. Was there ever that uh, those two years that you guys played together? Mm-hmm. Was there ever that sibling rivalry? Was it more of hey I'm playing with my younger sister or I'm playing with my older sister or it was was it hey I've got to show coach that I'm better than my younger sister or uh, your sister trying to be better than you? Was there was did you like playing with your sister or was there more of uh, that sibling rivalry? Kind of like what we have with uh, well, there's always, Maria. The, <laughs> yeah, there's always that underlying, um, you know, feeling in your gut when you're playing with a sibling where, you know, you you want to be the, the better player. Um, so, you know, every time I was on the field with my sister, you know, we were always trying to one up each other. Um, but we also really pushed each other because if it weren't for my sister, I don't know if I would be as good as I am or as good as I was at soccer. Um, she was also in gymnastics. She, um, that, so she obviously being younger, she wasn't as high of a level as I was. Um, but in gymnastics, I think I pushed her a little bit to be better because gymnastics was, like I said, my main sport for so long. Um, so I was pushing Jenna to be better at, at gymnastics. Whereas when we flipped and we both switched to soccer, she had more, um, I guess more years of experience playing soccer because she started earlier than I did with soccer. Um, so I felt like I was always playing catch up with her on the soccer field. So um, she, I don't even know, I don't even remember her accolades in high school, but she got a ton of them as well. Um, probably more than I did. Um, and, and to this day, I still think she, it's hard for me to say, I think she is a better soccer player than I am. Um, but she also had, you know, the coaches and the people around her that were a little bit better and the better opportunity to play with better clubs because she had, um, you know, played for longer than I had. Whereas I started with high school soccer and then transitioned into club soccer. Um, she started with club soccer and transitioned into high school soccer as kind of like her backup. So she played club from um, sixth grade, maybe fifth grade, all the way on up until she couldn't until college. And I played club soccer. I didn't start club soccer until sophomore junior year of high school Oh, really? Um, so she had a little bit more yeah yeah okay. and I played a actually drove to Syracuse for my club soccer experience I played a little bit with Buff United that's throwing it way back I feel like <laughs> um, played like a season with Buffalo United and then um, the team wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be and the Syracuse coach reached out to me after we played against them and was like hey you looking for a new club and I was like I could be 
So I started driving to Syracuse for practices and games, and we ended up going to regionals a couple couple times in a row for it. But um, yeah, I was always competing against my sister, especially in soccer. Gymnastics, not so much because, like I said, I, I knew gymnastics was my thing, and I was very confident in it. But soccer, I didn't always have the confidence that um, you know I have now or that I had in college because I did start so late with it. Um, but I mean, you know, me always wanting to be the best one out there definitely was, um, you know, playing with my sister kind of pushed me to do that. So no, absolutely. Now, did you guys play the same position or, um, so Ty, I would say technically, yes. I mean, in college we were both strikers, but in high school, um, I started off as a striker. So my freshman year, I played forward in high school. And then as the years progressed, I moved farther and farther back. So I started off as a striker and then sophomore year, I went to um, outside mid and then junior year, I went to center mid and then uh, senior year, I went to center defender. So I moved my way back, back down the field um, as the years progressed, whereas my sister was from what I can remember, always, always a forward. Okay. It was funny. So with I me, mean, I was... when we got, no, 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 go ahead. So when we got, when we got to junior senior year, when I played the two years, when I played with her, um, she, we didn't, it wasn't a battle for who was, you know, going to get the starting spot because she was up top and I was in back. Okay. I was gonna say with me, it was kind of funny. I went the opposite way. I started back as a, uh, outside defender, then moved up to, uh, outside mid and then moved into the center in the center mid. Uh, I was never fast enough to play. I mean, you know me, I was never fast enough to play striker. Um, so that was, but I think, I feel like for me, and and you might think the same or, or differently. I feel like in high school, especially if you transition to different positions, it just makes you a better overall player. And I think a better overall coach, because you can relate to seeing the field from the point of view of a defender, seeing the field from a point of view of a midfielder or an outside midfielder or a striker. I think it just, the more positions you played now, granted, I would never, ever, 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 ever play goaltender, even though I'm kind of been George's goaltender coach the last <laughs> couple of years. But um, I, I, for me that uh, the more positions you can play at a sport, it just seems like the, the better overall knowledge you'll have of the sport and more that you can pass on or at least see from different point of views as a coach. Yeah, I totally agree with that statement. When I had started playing um, travel soccer. I actually started as an outside defender. Um, and not that I was good at an at outside defense whatsoever, but I just had the speed, you know, I, my coach was like, if anybody gets by you, you have the speed to keep up with them and track them down and get the ball back. And that's what I did what, my first couple of years. But then once I started to learn the game, um, I kind of realized where the different positions where, you know, speed can, can help obviously up top, um, especially in high school. I mean, you and I both know that if a team has speed up top, you're really, you know, kind of done for as a speed defending kills. team. Yep. Um, so yeah. Um, I don't know. I, like I said, the versatility has always been one of my favorite things to talk about, um, as a coach and one of my favorite awards to give, because like you said, it does help with the knowledge of knowing the field and seeing the field and, you know, knowing what each position, what run you should make, when you should make it. And, um, yeah, just being, just being able to be aware of where you are on the field, um, and where your teammates are and how you can get in a position to help your teammates win games. Absolutely. Um, now speaking of, uh, playing different positions, did you ever have to 
And I'm pretty sure that you did. Did you ever have to have that hard conversation with an athlete where they really wanted to play striker or they really wanted to play midfield or defense? And you just, listen, I get it. I understand you want to be an outside defender, but you're probably better off as a center midfielder or better off as a striker or better off as a go outside midfielder or a goaltender. Have you ever had to have that, that heart to heart conversation with an athlete? A couple of times this year, actually, Lair. No. Um, I mean, Annika is one that comes to mind. She yeah. wants so badly to play forward and I want her so badly to play outside defense. And, um, you know, I feel like the transition for her should be a little bit easier because coming from playing forward, you should know what runs you have to make on forward. So transitioning from forward to defense, I feel like shouldn't be that difficult because in your head, in her head, she's already a forward. So she should know what runs the forwards are going to make. Um, I thought it was going to be an easy transition. Turns out it hasn't been so far, but she's also been plagued with injury this year too. But another one that comes to mind is Chloe. She again, wants so badly to be outside mid or a forward and play up top. And she is just a, a solid outside defender and now becoming, uh, you know, just as good as a center back when we need her to. So. Absolutely. And it's funny. Chloe was one who I had in JV for, did I have her two years? I either had her a year or two years in JV and uh, she always played outside mid for me. She was aggressive. She was fast, but I, I had a team where I probably, if I needed to, she could have played outside defender, but I had two better not better, but two outside defenders where I like my philosophy was to control the middle of the field. So mm-hmm. I tended to push my better players into the midfield. And Chloe just was an outstanding outside midfielder. And it was when she got to the varsity level up with you, I wasn't surprised that she was playing outside defense because she's aggressive. She's fast. She's smart with the ball. Um, So I knew she definitely would excel there, but it was just interesting to see how quickly she made that transition from outside mid to outside defender. And not only how quickly she made it, but just how much she's excelling at it. And I know she is always one of those coach. Can I get three minutes up top? Can I get Mm -hmm. five minutes at out? And and it's just Chloe, you're our shutdown defender. (laughs) Now just play shutdown defense. And, Uh And it's just, you gotta, part of you as a player, you're like, I get it. I know you want to go up there. I know you want to score. I understand it. But the coach part of you is like, no, you're back here because we need you back here. Exactly. You want to make it fun for the girls and you don't ever want to like deny them of where they want to play. But as, as a coach, I feel like you know better than they do where they should be. So, um, you know, we, we have to keep her, especially like you said, you know, in, at the JV level, you can kind of stack your midfielder and control the center of the field and, you know, win games that way. But I feel like as a varsity coach, you, well, especially with our program, I mean, we, we really have to put most of our talent on the back line, which is unfortunate because we have people like Maria who really should be a a center midfielder or, you know, an attacking center midfielder. She can put the ball in the back of the net. Clearly she's shown us that in the Niagara Falls game and, but she's so smart and so calm and so, and so collected and, and has the speed to keep up with the, the other speed that the teams, the, the speed that the other teams bring that we really are forced to keep her on our back line where, I mean, we've talked tons of times just this season about, I really wish we could get her up the field. They wish we could move her up the field, but, you know, taking that consistency off the back line is really a gamble. 
So it's, it's tough position to be in, but uh, you got to do what you got to do to win some games. No, absolutely. And I'm hoping, Hey, with the emergence of Lola as a seven, as an eighth grader coming up and holding her own, she's a JV call up. Um, I'm hoping we get a few more like that, that maybe we can next year or later in the year, move Maria up to, uh, you know, get a little more attack up top. She's another player. She's been awesome. And she was another player when I had her, uh, for JV, um, she was one that she was my center midfielder, but she also played it more of a defensive center mid just because she was, she'd jump up with the attack when she needed, when we needed her to, but she was also so reliable as a defender where she was somebody that you knew, even if it was two on one, you knew I'd still bet on Maria to make the play and to stop the ball. I mean, she was yeah. just, she was that good. Um, yeah, so it's definitely, and, but it's great to have that versatility. Well, and with, with them too, that whole family, like Lola is cousins of Gianna and Maria. Um, they're just very down to earth people. Um, you know, and that's why we pulled Lola up knowing that she's going to be coachable, knowing that she's going to be somebody who we can put in a position that maybe she might not be ready for yet, but, um, you know, she'll learn and she'll adapt. And, you know, she obviously has been successful the past couple of games we've had up but uh, you know it's not because it's not all because of our coaching and you know like we'd like to pat ourselves on the back and be like yes we did a great job with her but really a lot of it is is on them for you know listening and and learning and growing as players and always wanting to you know what can I do to be better you know Maria and G are always constantly uh, texting me coach I know I didn't play so well today what can I do to you know what can I do next game to you know be better or, um, you know, I messed up a couple times here and there. What can I, what can I, how can I fix it? So, um, you know, those are the players that we, that I, I know I won. And I think you have the same philosophy. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and I, you know, we've kind of talked about that a little bit too, this season, but. Yep. And I can tell another player. Um, and I feel like if my girls ever do listen to the podcast, especially this episode, they're all going to be like, Ooh, he said my name. Coach said my name. They said my name. <laughs> um, but fee. And I know we've had this conversation Fiorina. Uh, brand new player this year, every, not even every single game, but every single time, whether before she goes in or after she comes off, it's coach. What did I, okay, coach, when you said this, what did I do? When you said goal side, what did you mean by goal side? When you said make a looping run, which way should I make a looping run? I've got two players here. Should I take the inside person or the outside person? What I do. And I and I told you this many times, I think that is the greatest thing in the world. When before you even go over to them, they're coming straight to you. Okay, coach, what did, what did I do? What did I do right? Mm-hmm. What did I do wrong? How can I mm-hmm. fix this? And it's sometimes you get to the point where they come over like, you did a good job. Relax, go get some water. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I get it. You, you almost have to calm them down, but that's such a, it, it's, it, it again, something that re, reinvigorates, uh, reinvigorates you as a coach. It's just, yeah, like, definitely. yes, they have that passion. They have that drive. Yeah. Yeah. And Mental toughness too, you know? Oh, absolutely. All right, Jamie. I think it's that time where, uh, Matt's going to put us on the hot seat here. Um, our coach's hot seat. We've got five random questions. Matt's going to come up with, um, he's going to give us some five random questions and we're just going to have to answer them. Um, not necessarily as quickly as we can, but as best as we can. Again, this is the second time he, usually I've done it where I know the questions I'll answer them, but 
I won't tell anybody else. Matt hasn't told me the questions, so I know none of these. So Matt, have at it. All right. I'm a little nervous. Oh, they're not. So am I. Um, so for the first one, uh, I I wrote these during class today. Don't tell my professor. Hey, academics always come first. <laughs> um, so what music artist best represents you? What ooh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stick kind of with the Fedora topic here. I'm gonna say Frank Sinatra. I'm going to go old school. I'm going to say old blue eyes, Frank Sinatra. I'd say best represents me. Maybe I'm, I'm definitely not as stylish as him. I mean, I, I got the fedoras down. He's definitely got the suits and everything, but I'm going to keep it old school and say Frank Sinatra. I mean, uh, that's life my way. Just so many great songs. So I'm going to say Frank Sinatra. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> I literally know zero um, artists other than country artists. Hey, there you go. But even still, like I don't follow them and what they do in real life. So oh, I mean, it doesn't have to be like oh, it doesn't have life. to be a real life. I was definitely not a playboy like Frank Sinatra, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know. I guess I would like to say Carrie Underwood. She's just a bad ASS. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm allowed to say that word, but <laughs> <laughs> I would like to compare myself to her. I like, I can see that. I mean, it's my pick, so why not? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I could definitely see that. All right, Matt. What's right. the next one? Uh, next one. Uh, this is a little easier. What's your favorite breakfast food? Ooh, Jamie, you want to take this one first? Favorite breakfast food? Maybe it's not that easy. Pancakes. I stink at making them, but when I go out to breakfast, when I go out to brunch or anything, I'm always ordering pancakes. Now, are you a big, big maple syrup fan, like glob it on or? Oh, my God. Yes. And when it soaks into the pancakes, then you got to put more on. <laughs> oh, I see. I knew there's a reason why we coach together and work so well together. <laughs> I'm the constantly the person. I love pancakes, but I'm constantly the after like two or three minutes. Nope. Got to put some more on. Nope. Yeah. Gotta, like, oh, I love it. Um, but as far as favorite breakfast food, um, you know what? It's it's. Plain, it's simple. I'm going to say cereal. What kind I, of cereal? Um, I'm going to go with... Bran Flakes? No, I'm not that old. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say either... Uh, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to say Cocoa Puffs or Golden Grams. Um, I haven't had Golden Grams in years. I'm telling you, I just, I just had... I, went, I did the mistake yesterday of going grocery shopping while hungry. Oh, and I loaded up the cart. You can make. Oh, I'm telling you, it was terrible. Um, but I load. I went down the cereal aisle, and it was ooh, cinnamon toast crunch, ooh, golden grams, ooh, cocoa puffs. I got home, and my wife's looking like, "Why did you just buy ten boxes of cereal?" <laughs> like I was. I can hungry. agree with you on the cinnamon toast crunch. Oh, I'll give you that one. I love it. All right, Matt, number three. Next one. I got a little creative with these. So I said, what century would you want to like visit any century ever anywhere? Why? Like, I'm not why, but what, what century? Wow. I told Matt to make these questions tough and he, <laughs> he took these it to are heart. really tough. I don't know. I teach third grade. Here, Matt. <laughs> can we, can it be a future? Like, can we go into the future yeah, or is this strictly yeah. backwards? No, no. So like, you <laughs> be like, I don't know. Like you could be like Buffalo and like, 20 2086 or or yeah, the I renaissance i want to go into the future the way this world is going i think i'll i'll 
take I was going to say, maybe we'll go past. to the past. Go to the Renaissance with the Black Plague. Now, do we get to go? Yeah. Do we get to go back to that, like, as now? Like, as a yeah. Jump? yeah. So, like, right. you, you now hmm. have a DeLorean time machine and you say, I want to go to, like, 16th century England. Ooh. Not, not. All right. You know what? I'm going to. Hmm. I'm going to say. I'm going to be corn. I'm going to say one, like, I'd like to go back. I was born in, in 1980, but I'd like to go back to the eighties now as an adult oh. to see what that whole, that whole decade was experience. That as an um, adult. So I'm going to say that that'll be my boring one. The other one, um, I guess it could be pretty cool to be like, uh, you know, the medieval times or whatever, be like a, a night of the round table. I was table thinking where, that too, medieval times. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. I, yeah. Did, did they have soccer back then? We could coach the uh, this, the the knights of the round table soccer team. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> you could invent soccer. We could invent exactly. soccer. <laughs> Even better. All right. Um. So this one, what is your favorite game that you used to play in PE class, like when you were a kid? Ooh. Uh, Dodgeball. Okay, you're gonna say dodgeball. <laughs> I was gonna say I didn't. I I liked dodgeball, but it wasn't my favorite. What What did you love about dodgeball, Jabe? Uh, the fact that you could just beam people that you didn't like, and it was totally okay. <laughs> I love it. I love dodgeball. I'm, I'm a little. I'm a little disappointed. I'm a phys ed teacher that we really can't play dodgeball anymore, I or know. bombardment, or whatever. We try to sneak it into the rules as. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna. I. It was it was lacrosse, but it wasn't. It was those scoops. Like it wasn't an actual lacrosse stick, but it was the scoops with the plastic ball. Almost like <laughs> I know highlight rackets about. or whatever. We played, um, it was middle school. We would play lacrosse games, and I'm not going to lie. They were, like, more brutal than any sporting event <laughs> that we played. Like, our gym class, I think it was seventh grade year, we went all out. It was an all-guys all guys, uh, gym class. So there, we would play, like, 10 on 10, and our gym teacher was one of the old schools, ones that just did not, like, all right, go out there. Just don't kill anybody, and you're fine. Uh-huh. And man, it was one of those where some you knew at the end of the class somebody was going to the nurse. You <laughs> knew you were walking out with a brand new bruise and you knew that you were just uh you would go to class if you didn't go to the nurse, you were going to class with some sort of um some sort of like ice bandage or bandage or ice pack or something that you would get from the your gym teacher, those ice packs that stayed cold for about five seconds and then <laughs> yeah. we're just like all right throw this out or you'd get the <laughs> sponge that was left in the freezer and that was that oh, was our i remember pack. those so so a <laughs> couple eight- of gym class heroes we got here <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so eighth grade or seventh grade uh scoop lacrosse that was my favorite scoop lacrosse all right and then the last one uh what's like a crate like a craziest story that you have from like your childhood appropriate crazy story like how hmm. far back in the childhood are we going here? It doesn't matter. Whatever you want. And like, hmm. what constitutes crazy? Like I used to make crazy. my best. Friend. Like crazy I used to you. To, I used to make my best friend who is like the least athletic person in the world. Um, play athletic games that we made up one time. We, I don't remember what that show was called. There was a show on Disney channel where kids came in and they had like a bucket in the center of the, the gym and there was like random things in the bucket and they had to pull things out and create like a, a game with whatever was in the bucket. So my friend, Mary Kate and I, you know, thought that was a great idea. Me being this like strong gymnast, soccer player, dancer. And she was this like scrawny little, she, she did nothing. She didn't even know how to ride a bike. And I was like, 
we're going to take these jump ropes and we're going to tie them around our waist, one on around my waist, one around her waist. We're going to have somebody throw the ball up in the air and then we're going to run and see who can get the ball first. And then whoever gets the ball first gets to hit the other person with the ball. And that didn't end well <laughs> because I just dragged her around the, the driveway oh, for like gosh. an hour playing this game. So that was sticking with the sports theme, I guess. Not, that is not our brightest idea. And I, to this day, she's still my best friend and I don't know why. That's fantastic. And I loved making up just games as a kid <laughs> where even during the game, you'd be like, nope, rule change. Nope, rule yeah. change. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to say a, a stupid story. This was, uh, I want to say maybe ninth, 10th grade. Um, there was a stop sign on, there was a stop sign on our street that had the same, uh, same last name as a buddy of mine. I'm not going to blow anybody in, but, uh, (laughs) it was, it was down for the longest time, but then for whatever reason, um, brand new stop sign came up or whatever. So we had the bright idea of going there in the middle of the night and, um, stealing the street sign. So, cause you know, I'm, I'm bright like that. So. We get to the, uh, it was two or three of us. We get to the thing and we're like, we're, it's, I don't know, midnight, one in the morning or whatever. And we're, we're across the street, just standing there. We're like, all right, here's what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. And my one buddy without even saying anything, literally just runs across the street, grabs the pole, like shakes it like five times, lifts the entire pole, the entire street pole off of the dirt and is literally just hauls it on his shoulder and starts (laughs) sprinting down the block as we're like running behind him to try catching up. So, Yikes. so <laughs> I would have tried to catch up. I would have tried to like stay my distance in case he got caught. Right. I don't know. Like, like, we're going this way. <laughs> I was a goody two shoes. So there was none of that in my, uh, in my past, in my high school plans. Uh, I'd say but. I was relatively a goody two shoes with the, uh, the occasional, you know, street sign uh, incident. <laughs> That's yeah. terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. I hope you had some fun too. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. And, sorry uh, for the technical difficulties in the middle, but no, Hey, uh, you work through it. Listen, you adapt, right? Absolutely. That's what coaching and teaching and everything is all about. We make stuff work. Um, I know we've got, make it uh, till you make it. Absolutely. Speaking of that, we've got uh, the rest of the season to fake it till we make it. Um, I know we've got big games coming up against uh, who do we got next? Louport. Um, then we've Louport, got Card- Grand Island, Grand Island, Cardinal O'Hara, Tonawanda, Tonawanda. You know all the all the fun teams that we that we like to play twice a year. Oh yeah. Um, but thank you so much for coming on, uh, Matt. As always, uh, thank you for coming on. Um, and again, thank our sponsor, uh, Bolify. Make sure you stop by and have a cheesy adventure with them. And thank you for everybody for listening. This was Stories from the Sidelines.